Welcome to the Simon Short Podcast brought to you by championshipsportsmedia.com. I'm here with my buddy Josh today. Josh and I uh, cover the Steelers for championshipsportsmedia.com. As discussed last week, there's a lot of Steelers news happening right now. There's a lot of um, angst and turmoil amongst Steelers nation. There are a lot of questions to answer. We are not any closer to doing that right now, but just to kind of preview everything that's going on, maybe look back at the season a little bit and maybe figure out what this team should do. Uh, Josh and I are here to talk to you guys today. So Josh, welcome into the Simon Short podcast. Thanks for being here. And uh, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Simon. Um, it's been fun. Um, I've been talking to you about this before. I haven't been a Steelers fan my whole life or anything, but I've really been getting into them this year. Um, and then at, at Championship Sports Media, I write for the Steelers. I write about the Steelers and the Bears um, and just been covering a lot of their games this year. And even though I haven't been a Steelers fan, um, I've always had a lot of respect for the Steelers because of the, uh, the historic nature of their franchise. Um, and I mentioned to you that I'm a big Najee Harris guy, especially this year after um, he was one of the more consistent players on my fantasy team. So <laughs> I've had a lot of all of our hearts. Buttering all of us up. Look at that's, that. right, that's, that's perfect. That's right. I can't wait to see what he does when they get a more a better offensive line. I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later. On. Oh man, yes we will. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait for the day. Uh, Josh, I'm really excited to have you on to talk about this because I think um, it can certainly be an emotional conversation to have when, when you've been a Steeler fan your whole life, like I have, or like a lot of our, our readers are, that are reading our Steeler stuff are. Um, so I think it's going to be really cool to get your perspective as a football fan and as a person who's had a like cursory knowledge of the Steelers for a long time, but um, really just dug into it this year. But the way you've dug into it has, has really been impressive. Um, for, for those of you guys listening, that. Josh did all of the, the previews for the Steeler games, talked about the keys to all their games, and he hit everything we've been talking about all year. He talked about this team being able to start fast and not wait till the fourth quarter to mount a heroic comeback. He talked about being able to stop the run and not, you know, not just on a run by run basis, but not giving up any explosive plays, um, especially when the offense, once again, could not produce those themselves. So um, this would be really, really cool to kind of get your perspective on what you learned about the team from really watching this year with your football knowledge from just knowing about it, you know, in the past. So where I want to start is when you are watching the Steelers this year, week in and week out, and preparing your previews, what are the biggest holes this team has on their roster as they sit here today? Yeah, so I think um, I kind of briefly mentioned. I think the offensive line is kind of a is kind of an issue right now, um, just creating holes and sustaining drives. And I think that was one of the hindrances to um, the Steelers not have not being able to get off the fast starts because I think playing with the lead this year, I. I think specifically about the Titans game that they won down the stretch was, I think it was like a 16, 13 and there was turnovers that they got and the Titans didn't play particularly well, but, um, but that's the type of game. I think the Steelers um, are good. And I think they need to, they like to have a lead a little bit, especially this year. Um, and I think the reason I bring up the offensive line and kind of in combination with talking about starting fast, being able to play with a lead is I remember reading somewhere where I, th I don't know if it was an exact quote from Big Ben or something like that, but the the youth the youth on the offensive line it sounded like there was some fear in doing no huddle. It sounded like 
from the coaching staff and from the leadership, there's more like if we do no huddle more often, there's going to be more penalties, more players out of positions and, and more squandered opportunities, um, which was interesting to me because then, you know, um, especially if we think back to the Vikings game um, and that comeback that they almost made that would have been epic, um, you know, they were playing fast. They were making plays. They have the weapons, you know, they have like Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool on the outside are they're studs. They're going to be, they're going to, um, and, and Friar most as well as a, as the tight end, like they have the weapons to be successful. It's just, um, I think what they really struggled, it was, it comes down to the trenches. It comes down to the offensive line and maybe it was a youth thing. Um, and I know Ben, big Ben wasn't as mobile this year as been in the past. That's when, you know, one of his calling cards during his prime was, you know, not like the fastest quarterback, but he scrambled when he needed to, and he moves, he moves well inside the pocket. Like when you look at the greater quarterbacks of all time, it's not necessarily that they scramble for 20 yards. It's that they situate themselves in the pocket to get, to stay open or to stay on their feet long enough to make a pass later on. So I think Ben lost that a little bit. And then, so to combine that with an offensive line that had a lot of holes, um, it was just sustaining drives was a challenge. And I think even though their defense has, you know, your TJ Watts, your Minka Fitzpatrick's, your Joe Hayden's, you know, those guys get tired. They're human, you know, and they can't, <laughs> they can't do it all. And so um, if I had to pick one thing, I think offensive line going into next year would be the biggest hole to kind of fortify and, and shore up. Um, and th that's kind of the lead one. And then um, as far as defensive goes or the defensive side of the ball, uh, I like, I, I use the word depth and I know that's kind of probably a cliche. I think every team would say they want more depth, but I think the defense is full of all the stars, your TJ Watts, your Cameron Haywards, Mika Fitzpatrick's, but um, you know, if you're not getting a big play every time, is your defense consistent enough? Um, and I think that was one of the other issues too. Like they have a great defense, but then somehow, somehow they have games where they give up a ton of yards. So it doesn't make sense. How are these defensive players giving up all this stuff? And so um, I think part of it was being on the field a lot. And then the other part is that, you know, I think their star power counter, like counteracted against the lack of depth a little bit, but yeah, th those are, those are like the, the big things that stood out to me watching the Steelers this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right, hit the nail on the head. I mean, the Steelers fans know all too well how it goes on the offensive line. It, go, it, it goes through periods of transition, you know, and I don't know, I, I don't always know how this goes for other teams. It feels like it's probably pretty similar, but because offensive line is so about cohesion, right? So you bring in five guys who hopefully are young or maybe just getting into their prime. They're together for five, six years. They become a great, great offensive line. And then one by one, they just start to fall off as, you know, mm -hmm. guys get hurt, guys retire. Um, so it's almost like you constantly need to be adding to the line, but at the same time, you're still not going to have that cohesion until someone's maybe in year two or three. Um, right. You know, when, when Big Ben was first drafted, he had guys like Marvell Smith, Alan Fanica, uh, Jeff Hardings, um, Kendall Simmons was a young guy at that point. They got Ramon Foster shortly after Max Starks was coming up. You know, they had this great offensive line where they had stud all pro guys and then guys that had just kind of gotten in to grow together. And then yeah. that was Ben's first Super Bowl year. And then when you get into the next couple Super Bowls, those guys were gone. So now you have, I mean, Doug Rogerski was in there. My boy, Chris Kimuatu, who was the best guy on that line, but should have been like the fifth best guy on that line. <laughs> you had a young, you know, Trey Essex. Um, you know, you, you, you went through this rebuild process. And like you said, at that point, that was the height of Ben's 
I'm just going to scramble for 40 yards behind the line of scrimmage until I can throw to somebody. He's definitely not doing that anymore. So last year when Ben decided to come back for this year, I don't know if he knew the offensive line was going to change as much as it did. I have a sneaky suspicion he did not. I mean, last year's starting line was the same for the last two to three years. It was big Al, Al, uh, Alejandro Villanueva on the left. Um, And then moving over, you had Matt Filer, who had switched to left guard from right tackle, but he was still on that line. Pouncey DeCastro. And then um, Chooks Okorafor, who was still on the team. But again, he's the guy that should be your fifth best offensive lineman. This year, he was the most consistent, which I guess I would say he was the best one because you had Dotson go out with injuries. You had um, Trey Turner definitely had his moments, but isn't, isn't a mobile guy anymore very physical, very good with his hands, but he's not doing anything in the run game. So he'd either have right. good, really good games where, hey, his pass pro was great because he wasn't going against any super fast guys where he could just hold him off until Ben decided to throw it. Um, you know, just a lot of changes that I don't think Ben expected. I'm sure yeah. he expected <laughs> at least, you know, he knew Pouncey was retiring, but I'm yep. sure he expected at least one, if not two of Villanueva, Filer, and a Castro to return. And for all three of those guys to leave and to completely start yeah. over was definitely a huge, huge deal for this the team this year. Was um, that um sorry to cut you off? Was that the was the Villanueva? Was that a surprise? I because I, I wasn't really following back then. Um, so that, that sounds like that was out of the blue for Steelers fans as well. A little, I mean, a little bit. I mean, you definitely okay. have so you have your sect of Steelers fans who hated Villanueva um because he would get blasted by Miles Garrett twice a year for the last three, four <laughs> years. And, you know, that was just kind of what you were going to get with him. He wasn't going to keep up with the best athletes out there. Um, but he was just so reliable in terms of health, being there, being there on every snap, yeah. every game, being so technically sound. Um, he was great with, he had great hand technique. Um, his chop was really good. So he was able okay. to, even if a quicker guy was going to come off the line and beat him, if the guy wasn't too strong, Villanueva and left his hands out there. Villanueva was going to knock him to the ground just with a swipe of his hand. Sure. You're not doing that to Miles Garrett. So Miles Garrett destroyed him every single game. <laughs> um, so you definitely. But he does that to a lot of people. people so Ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, Steelers <laughs> fans, we have high expectations. You're supposed to never get beat. Um, That's right. So I I will say, I I'm surprised that all three of those guys left, just like Ben probably felt. <laughs> I would have expected sure. them last year to go in the offseason with, I mean, the Castro was supposed to be there. He was there in, at the start of training camp. He reported a training camp. They tested out, I think it was his ankle, and they said, hey, you probably shouldn't play on this this year. And then they, it cut, you know, cut him. Um, oh, so they walked into the season thinking, okay, the Castro and Chuxacor are still going to be there on the right side. Kevin Dotson got a few spot starts last year at both guard spots. He's going to be there. Um and then I did expect either Filer or Villanueva to be back. I thought they would have gotten one of those guys back to sure. either keep Alejandro at left tackle or move Filer even back to right tackle. His, I think, more natural position still, even though he had a decent year at guard this year for the Chargers, um, then they could move Chooks over. So I think everybody expected there to oh. be a little more cohesion, a little more carryover. Sure. So I would say, yeah, definitely surprised yeah. for yeah. all the, you know, you walk yeah. in and it's like, it's the, it's the Will Smith meme, Ben standing there, like, where did everybody go? <laughs> who, who are these young guys who are supposed yeah. to be blocking me? And I mean, he went from, I forget the exact number, but he had like under 10 sacks last year, I'm pretty sure to 33 this year. So Jeez. 
it wasn't what anybody expected. And that's yeah. where you're, you're exactly right. I think everything starts there. Cause yeah, they had this, they had the skill guys. I mean, they had mm-hmm. the wide receivers from last year, add in the tight end, add in the running back. You really could have been set for still a decent offense, even in switching coordinators. But yeah, that offensive line yeah. taking um, three or four steps back definitely hurt. Yeah. And I think uh, you make a good point about cohesion and consistency, because I think that, you know, yeah, like, like you said, like, in the like a player like Miles Garrett and just in general in the NFL, you're that's the top tier athlete. So even the best offensive linemen are going to get beat, but it's so much different. It's so much better when the quarterback knows their tendencies, you know, and you know, you know, you can and you probably can feel each other out a little bit, so you know where to avoid the rush. And I'm sure with a bunch of brand new guys, Ben didn't know when to step up or when to back up. It was just you know it could have been coming from all angles, which you can get a little bit better gauge if you know the guys in front of you a lot better. I think that's a good point because that can, that can overcome a lot of deficiencies if there's, if there's consistency there. So. And it, you, you learn, you learn about what they call Ben ball too. There's, I think maybe three occasions all year where Ben looked like he could do his scramble thing. Yeah. Um, and the offense alignment were just done blocking by then. Cause they were like, he doesn't still have the ball. And then they look back and they're like, Oh no, he still has the ball. <laughs> so that's definitely something linemen just have to learn yeah. with Ben. Yep. And, you know, especially this year, I did not expect them to know it because he can't move that much anymore. So right. it was definitely, um, right. definitely interesting. Um, <laughs> and to your point on, in terms of depth on defense, you know, that's, you know, a hundred percent. I mean, that's where the issues really started because the defensive line from day one, started out with with injuries and with with guys missing you know you walk into the year thinking you're going to have cam hayward stefan to tyson alawalu as your starting line and to never plays and then alawalu goes out with a season-ending injury in week two so now you've got guys who are rotational guys are now starters you've got guys who are reserves now in rotation you got guys who should have been on the practice squad or, or not on the roster who are kind of waiting in the wings. And so just really start it there. Cause then guys go out with COVID or, you know, TJ Watt missed a handful of games this year and you're, you know, now playing um, guys like Tarek Tuska and Taco Charlton trying to revi- re- revitalize yep. his career. Um, even though he, he looked pretty good towards the end of the year, but it took it, you know, it takes time. So um, not having that solid, consistent number three outside linebacker or that solid, um, consistent nose tackle that could come in for all of all because Chris Wormley actually had a pretty good year, um, yep. taking to its spot, but still, you would love that guy to be your third oh, defensive yeah. end instead of yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, those are those are absolutely all holes that they, they need to be ready to fill one way or another. Um, so um, with that kind of looking ahead, you know, we talk a lot about oh, you know, the Steelers have this much cap space, the Steelers have this many draft picks. It's not as great as you would hope in a year like this when you're kind of, you know, rotating out of a out of a franchise quarterback. And, you know, you've got guys like Joe Hayden, Juju Smith-Schuster, Terrell Edmonds, um, who are all free agents. So taking that conversation just um, to the next level and some, some of the other things that, you know, we know they need to do, when it comes to draft and free agents, what would you kind of either expect to see or what would you kind of like to see in watching them in terms of what do they kind of do with, with their assets that they have this offseason? Yeah, I think, um, I think from a free agency standpoint, like someone who's good enough to win you games so that there's not a necessary, like not a complete rebuild, because I don't think the Steelers want to rebuild and I don't think they need to rebuild, like blow it all up. But if they, if the plan is to draft a young guy, um, to kind of fill the shoes. I think uh, Jameis Winston would be an interesting 
an interesting piece. I don't know price tag on him, but I can't imagine it would be too high. Um, and I think he put up, he put up over a thousand yards and through like 14 touchdowns earlier for the saints this year. Like he was, he was off to a pretty flying start. I think if you put, put him with some of those, um, some of those weapons, he's still young enough. He's got that cannon of an arm. Um, the scary thing is he's like an interception machine. <laughs> and so, but I feel like he was getting better at that this year from what I, from the little bit that I saw, I don't watch the saints a ton, but some of the highlights I saw, I looked like he was making better decisions. And so, um, I think as a, you know, cause I mean, the, uh, the big name for quarterback that I think a lot, hear a lot of people talking about is that Kenny Pickett, the guy who plays at Pitt or like, I think he practices the same facility. Like it, it just seems to make a lot of sense, but I, I haven't watched him enough. I don't know if him, I don't know if he's what people like because he's like one of the better quarterbacks in a draft that's considered not to have a great, um, a great set of quarterbacks. Um, but even if you draft someone like that, but if maybe also bring in a free agent guy like James, James Winston, who could potentially, because I think he could put up numbers with this offense. And, you know, if the defense, you know, shores itself up a little bit, I think the, I think the Steelers are a playoff team. Um, and then, you know, who knows when he gets to the playoffs and they made the playoffs this year that it didn't look at times. It didn't look like they or should have been anywhere near the playoffs. So. <laughs> you know, James is actually really interesting. Uh, so, and I think it's especially interesting this week because I mean, up until now, I I've just ignored him because I just assumed he was going to go back to New Orleans. But with Sean Payton stepping away, you know, yep. you you just don't know. We have no idea what this franchise right. is going to do. I mean, for all you know, we know the the team is you know focus on like getting rid of the pelicans or something like that and like <laughs> or you know are we just going to kind of ride the laurels are we gonna uh and just like let you know Taysom hill play quarterback for two years as we like get out of this like cap hell that we're in yep we have no idea what the saints are going to do for the next couple of years so now it's almost yeah it does james need to be considered at this point I don't hate the idea. There are definitely guys that I would like to see less than a Jameis Winston, um, especially because Ben was a interception machine himself early on. So it's not anything, you know, Steeler fans or the Steel organization hasn't seen. And, you know, if you play your cards right, this team is hopefully a running team next year anyways. Right. Um, right. So just, you know, you hope you can just kind of build through that and not ask too much. Cause I mean, when he was in Tampa, playing for Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit, like, yeah, chuck the ball 50 times and yeah, he's going to throw interceptions doing that. So you would like to see that not happen um, with whoever it is that's coming in. So this is great. We're going to, I want to move straight into this franchise building topic because okay. this is what everybody's talking about right now. Um, where are you? I guess we're first, because again, I want to go in like a million directions here already, but where are you in terms of team building? What's what's the best way to do it? You can take it from a Steeler lens. You can take it, you know, you can think back on how the Bills have done it with Josh Allen. You can think about how, um, you know, the Chiefs have done it with Mahomes, you know, any which way. What, what do you think is kind of the best way to build uh, an NFL franchise? Yeah, I th so I, I mentioned the offensive line and my gut tells me to go with the trenches. Like you have to start in the trenches. And I remember... Um, a little bit off topic, but kind of related. I, a couple of years ago, the Vikings had a really good defense. That's typically the team. That's my, my, my team. And, but for some reason, our defense wasn't doing anything. It finally hit me. We weren't getting to the passer at all. We had great corners, great safeties, great linebackers. We were not, 
putting any pressure. And if you give a quarterback enough time, it's not going to, you're, you're not going to be successful. And so I think uh, my gut tells me to go with the trenches. However, um, you also have to have a quarterback and it's, it's so cliche to talk about the quarterback as being the most important position. But I think, um, you know, earlier you mentioned some of the turnover at offensive line, but the one consistent feature was big Ben. He was there for 18 years. And I think that that sort of stability is you can't really, that you can't replace that. You can work around some things on the line. Like you can get creative, you can do bootlegs, you can do, you know, screen passes. You can be the, you know, just the dump, the short dump off passes. If you don't have any time, like there are ways to do it. If you have a, a smart quarterback and a, or even athletic quarterback, um, that's huge. So I, I think that's, in, in my opinion, that's probably top priority. Um, but I had to mention the trenches because that's also like, I don't know, <laughs> it's hard to differentiate the two, but I think you do have to have a quarterback. Um, I mean, you can win with a, like if you have a really solid team outside of quarterback you can win you know we've seen Trent Dilfer win a Super Bowl we've seen Brad Johnson win a Super Bowl we've we're seeing uh Jimmy Garoppolo win it right now or not win it right now I don't have any prediction right here (laughs) (laughs) that's what's coming out of this whole podcast 49ers will win Super Bowl Jimmy G right yeah um and even (laughs) um when you think of you know Peyton Manning's last Super Bowl at the Broncos like that was a defensive one Super Bowl Peyton did not look that looked like, hey, Peyton, we're going to get you another ring because you deserve it, but you're not going to have to do anything. Just don't do anything stupid, <laughs> you know? Like so, so even at that point, he was kind of a game manager. And so um, <clears throat> when we think about uh, you can win with those types of quarterbacks, I still feel like to have longevity, to be a consistent contender, I think you need to have someone smart under center um, and obviously talented. So I, I guess after saying all of that, <laughs> I think I'll say quarterbacks will support. <laughs> the point was rambling else, for five minutes. Just, yeah. just go get a quarterback. So now, I mean, but I think that's right. So I, you, you took it in kind of both directions we're going to be talking about because, yes, obviously, if there's a franchise quarterback to be had, that's the key. You're not gonna you're not gonna win without one, most likely. Um, I mean, the Eagles had the year with Nick Foles. Uh, I mean, the year after, two years after, I mean, Jimmy G almost won one. You know, yep. he was a, a foot too heavy on a pass um, where we're maybe talking about he won one. Now, yep. does a real franchise quarterback not overthrow that by a foot? Probably. That, and Probably. That's, you know, yep. that's the difference. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. Absolutely. You know, we saw, I mean, everybody's talking about, you know, the the divisional games over the weekend. Oh, this is why you need the franchise quarterback. The Mahomes and Allen game, the Burrow toughing it out again, you know, getting sacked nine times against the Titans. Um, That's crazy. All, all of that is true. All of that is true. So then it's just about, okay, where is our team at specifically? And do we have that option available to us? And that's, you know, that's the great unknown, right? That's what yeah. we're not going to find out for another two to five years if this offseason produced franchise quarterbacks that were available whether it's through the draft or free agency so I mean you mentioned Kenny Pickett um yeah a lot of people are clamoring over him right now now what's probably going to happen is between now and April five owners and five GMs are going to talk themselves into this guy and he's going to be a top 10 pick where two months ago we weren't talking about we I didn't hear about Kenny Pickett as like a real like 
draft this guy and he's a franchise quarterback. You know, we, we knew his name. We knew he right. played quarterback at Pitt. We knew he was going to be in the draft, yada, yada. We weren't talking about him this excitedly until he did the fake slide. Yeah, and, no. <laughs> and then the conversation was centered around, is this fair for defense? Should we change the rule? Right. And then it became, oh, that Kenny Pickett guy is pretty good. Let's draft him number one overall. So, you know, we, we talk yep. ourselves into these things and it, you know, don't do that. Look at the Browns right now. I mean, this, and this mm-hmm. is what I'm afraid of. Yep. You draft a guy like Baker Mayfield, who, if, if we went back five years and read his scouting profiles, they would sound a lot similar to the guys that are in this draft. He sure he's undersized, but he's tough. He's got good mobility. He can get out of the pocket. He can scramble. He can make all the throws. Those are all true. But what you don't know is until they kind of get into the building, how they're really going to interact with their teammates and react to pressure. And then you, okay, after a year or two, you see what they're kind of like in a pro setting. So you say, okay, we're going to build our team this way. So the Browns have built their team around, run the ball and play action. They currently have no receivers, basically. They have two good running backs who are running backs in their, you know, fifth to eight years of their career. So they're getting banged up more and more. And now you're looking at yourself like, should we pay Baker Mayfield $150 or $150 million to be our quarterback for the next five years? That's the situation you put yourself in. Mm -hmm. And as a Steeler fan, when you're used to, yeah, maybe we have one down year where we went eight and eight and missed the playoffs. Eh, It'll be fine. We'll figure it out next year. Right you want to bank on that happening and time yourself to someone like that right now. when you're really not sure the best quarterbacks come from when you're hearing their names before they're even the starter of their college team, before they go into their draft eligible year as a junior senior, those are, you know, the Trevor, we knew about Trevor Lawrence as a legitimate number one overall pick when he was a senior in high school, same with Justin Fields. Um, Joe Burrow, you know, a little bit of a dark horse, but he was a guy that just before the season, people were like, okay, let's pay attention to Joe Burrow. And from the first game through the rest of the season, it's not about waiting until bowl weekend to find out who a franchise quarterback is. Now it can definitely happen, but yeah, it's risky. So in terms of, I guess, then finding, you know, because even, even, you know, I've referenced this in a couple articles, but Tomlin has even said they don't want to start over with a rookie next year. And that just means, hey, a rookie's not going to be our day one starter, which is still only 50-50. You know, they could take they could take Pickett 20th overall. He could get there and shocker, be better than Mason Rudolph, and he could be the (laughs) starter. Does that mean it's right? I don't know. Whatever. Of course, but that could happen. But most likely, and what they want to have happen is not that. Right. Tomlin wants to have kind of that bridge quarterback, whether it's because they drafted a guy who's in the wings or they're waiting a year to do that. So in terms of bridge quarterbacks, you know, if that were to be a route, what does that look like to you? Like, what are some names you're kind of thinking about and how long is a good bridge quarterback? Is it four games? Is it two years? You know, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to first go, back to what you said about reaching for quarterbacks that we kind of talk ourselves into. And I I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't, I really get nervous when teams for any team, just cause it's, it's nerve wracking to watch people right reach. I mean, look at another team. I cover the bears. They reached, they traded up for Mitchell Trubisky in the Patrick Mahomes draft. Like you just really don't know 
And so you have to be willing to mortgage a lot unless it's someone that is a far and away starter. Um, my own Vikings reached for Christian Ponder one year. We all saw how that turned out. So like, <laughs> you know, there's not, it's really risky through the draft. So I, I'm with you on that. If Kenny Pickett's just the quarterback that people are talking about because he's one of the few names that's there this year, no, nothing against the guy. I'm sure he is. He, from what I've seen, he is a good quarterback. And I hope, I wish him all the success in the NFL, but it is hard to justify stretching to get it. Because like you said, if owner, if five or six GMs talk themselves into him, he moves up. Steelers would have to give up some trade cap or some draft capital just to get up to be able to get him before he's gone. And so you have to think, is that overvaluing him just because he's one of the QBs here, just because he played at Pitt or, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, or, or, or is he really the guy? And so that, that scares me a lot. Um, when I think about their quarterback situation, um, I also don't, and I don't know if Steelers fans feel differently about some of these, but from what I can gather, from what I read online, in my own opinion, I'm not really on the Mason Rudolph train or the Dwayne Haskins train. I don't, I think that, you know, Haskins has shown some flashes, but I've never watched him and been like, oh, that guy's going to be great someday. And, and Rudolph is, he's kind of just fine at times. And I don't think, I can't picture him in a playoff game really, you know, you know, making a key throw to get the Steelers to the AFC championship game or anything like that. Um, do it against the lions. <laughs> that's, oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. He played against the lions in the, in the tie game. Oh gosh. <laughs> that, yeah, was, no. that was brutal. No, um, you are, you are on the right track there. You are not, okay, you are not far off. <laughs> so um, I, I mean, I, I kind of like the, the Jameis Winston idea as a free agent. If that were the case though, I don't, uh, again, no offense to Jameis. I don't see him being a 10 year pro ball quarterback for a team. I just, I think that that Steelers team could get to the playoffs with him. I think more intriguing to me. And I don't, and the, the problem is, I don't know if this is any it, at all realistic, but I almost think if they could find a way to trade for someone who's not in a great situation right now, but is proven um, we don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, we don't, we don't want to endorse whatever he did. If that's something that he did, that is actually proven. Um, but there's a possibility he's not going to be in Houston if he comes back to the NFL. Right. So there'd be a possibility there. Um, for some reason, the idea of Russell Wilson playing at Pittsburgh, I think would be exciting. And what a better, is there a better quarterback to try to get behind a, a struggling, maybe improving offensive line than Russ? Like he preferred it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think he could have a lot of fun with, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and I think we'd really see, you know, Najee Harris open up a little bit too. Um, so I, I think a trade in that regard um, would be if, if I'm the Steelers and I don't want to take a step back, if I don't, if I want to stay a playoff team, compete for the AFC North and be legitimate in the, in the playoffs, and if I know that my biggest issues are offensive line and obviously quarterback, I would look to trade for a veteran that's proven um, and then get to get back to your idea about a bridge quarterback. I think that any one of those guys I mentioned is at least you could get two or three years. Cause then you could spend your draft time. Like you said, you know, we are going to draft the rookie. Eventually we want to have the next big Ben. Who's going to be our quarterback for 20 years, but it's not in this draft. So what can we do now to get to the next draft or the couple of drafts after that? Um, you know, and then, and then who knows who's what names resurface or surface after that, um, but I, that would be what I would be looking to do if I was GM of Steelers is getting a veteran in, but not like a, let's see, who's a veteran that I don't think, like Kirk Cousins, the Vikings might be looking at trying to move on from him. He's expensive. 
I don't think he does well at Pittsburgh. I wouldn't encourage you to get him if I, if I had any say. He can't move the statue, and I, he would get destroyed back there. And he, you know, he's there's something about him. He doesn't have like the it factor all the time. So that someone like that, I'd be cautious against. But if you know you could get one of those like gamers, like Russell Wilson's going to win, could win you games. Russell Wilson could take the Steelers team to it. And I, again, I'm talking about it like it's a possibility. I have no idea if if the Seahawks would be willing to get rid of him or what the price would be. But I would be, if I'm going to trade draft picks, players, or you know, sacrifice not getting someone back in free agency for the next quarterback, I'm trying to get someone that's going to be someone that I know what to expect from and not, not, a, or not a draft pick, at least not this year for a draft pick, I should say. Right. And you're and you're referencing, you know, the elephant in the room that, you know, a lot of fans who are clamoring for the Rogers or the Wilson trade aren't talking about. And it's like you have to give up stuff to do that. And, you know, so luckily in the last couple of weeks, this middle road of fans that you also kind of just address and not just fans, but analysts, too. I'm not trying to just, you know, crap on our fans here. But, um, oh, if the Steelers trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins or even Derek Carr, who I do like, or one one of these guys, you know, just like your average guy who's been in some playoff games, like that would that would be good next year because everyone thinks that that's just so much better than the version of Big Ben we had this year. So everyone's right. just saying, hey, if you turn your, your D quarterback this year to a B-minus quarterback next year, this is a Super Bowl team. And yeah, in theory, that might be right, but what are you giving up to do that? You're, for one of those guys, you're giving up at least a second round pick. You're spending 20 to $30 million on one of these yep. guys. And the Steelers do not have a lot of draft capital to mess around with. And they yep. don't have a lot of cap space. Well, they have a lot, but not as much as we, we all think. So right. we were talking just <clears throat> before um, we recorded, the Steelers have about $30 million to play with um, for when the new league year starts as of right now. And that's not including you know, re-signing their own guys who are unrestricted free agents. Um, that's also a little conservative of a number when you talk about like their restricted guys like a Dwayne Haskins or, yeah. you know, some of some of their other kind of nuanced contracts. So this team isn't, you know, this team has money to play with and to fill some holes and do things, but not the money where they can give it all to Garoppolo and then still fill right. some some holes. Um, right. And because because Garoppolo is going to command a big if, if San Francisco moves on and says, we're going to go to Lance, Garoppolo has enough track record where, yeah, you're going to have to pay him, you know, <laughs> close to top tier quarterback money, um, you know, because, and, and he's not going to want a one-year deal. Either. He's not going to, none of those guys are going to want to just a, a prove me deal. They're going to say, we deserve one more like four or five-year contract and you don't want to get stuck into that. Yeah. And so I do like the Russell Wilson idea because if, if you're going to do it, yeah, you have to get someone who's going to elevate this team because, you know, um, I'm going to come back to Mason Rudolph here in a minute because I have a lot of Mason Rudolph thoughts. But um, if you're going to make that kind of investment, again, I'm okay with it. I'm not so in love with my draft picks and my cap space, right? You have those for a reason to make your team better. Right. Yeah, Russell Wilson would certainly do that. That would be, you know, that would be cool. Um, I'm also actually hoping a little little tease here to next week have a Seahawks specialist on. So maybe oh, we'll nice. talk about this a little bit. So stay That's tuned for that. Um, nice. But yeah, so your, your Garoppolo's, your cousins, your Derek Carr's, 
B minus guys. I'm not begrudging them for getting the money they got, but I am saying Pittsburgh fans, if you trade for Garoppolo, guess what? You're not signing a veteran offensive lineman. You're not re-signing a cornerback, let alone go out and get a JC Jackson or, you know, Carlton Davis. Like you're not even getting a Kella Witherspoon or Joe Hayden back if you do that. Right. So do you, do we want to see James Pierre as our starting outside corner again? I don't know if you were digging into James Pierre tape at all early in the season. <laughs> it did not go well. And listen, no. I like Pierre. I think like, I still think there might be something there and he's worth, you know, bringing back around, put him through another training camp, yada, yada. But you can't go into week one as him. Oh, okay. This is our starter, no matter what happens. Yeah. And that's what you're going to have to do if you go get a Garoppolo or even take a step back, right? Let's talk a little more realistically. So the train I was on for a long time was sign one of these veterans who's going to be an unrestricted free agent, who has some pedigree, who has some of the tools you're looking for, and has never really kind of found their footing. So your Marcus Mariota's, your Teddy Bridgewater's, Tyrod Taylor's, your guy, Mitch Trubisky. Um, <laughs> these guys that have tools and can be a one to two year bridge guy who you don't have to invest that much money in. All right. Yep. I was on that train for a long time. You give that guy $10 million, 12 mil for two years, you know, whatever. I don't yep. even know what it'll work out to. I mean, starters, when they come in as starters, usually get pretty good money. So you would yep. like to think my thought process is if I'm bringing a guy in, he better be significantly better than Mason Rudolph, which means he's got to make more than him. If I'm bringing him just to compete, that's a waste. So yep. if I'm paying Mariota $10 million, again, I, now, now I have to pick. Do I get that offensive lineman? Do I get that corner? Do yep. I get that middle <clears throat> linebacker? Do I add depth on my defensive line? You're, there's an opportunity cost to doing all of those things. Yep. And then you really have to be honest with yourself and say, how much better is this than Mason Rudolph? Especially if it's for a year or two. Now, if right. Pittsburgh thinks, you know, Mariota's still a young guy. They really love pedigree guys. They really love like reclamation projects. Hence the Dwayne yep. Haskins, hence the Taco Charlton's. Um, if they think they can bring in Mariota and be like, Mariota could be our quarterback for five to seven years as our, mm -hmm. you know, for sure starter and we'll compete with Super Bowls with them. Then again, if that's what they say, I'm not going to tell them they're wrong. Right. You know, go do, go do it. But yep. that better be how you feel about it if you're going to do it. Because, <laughs> right. I mean, I don't feel that way. I don't think that guy exists, which is why I've come off of that train to, yep. unfortunately, we might just have to ride a year of Mason Rudolph now. Mm -hmm. Clear out because I'm gonna be on my soapbox a little bit. I, I say this with no oh, gosh, here I go. I say this with no like like visions of Mason Rudolph winning a Super Bowl. I saw him underthrow Ray Ray McLeod on a six-yard, you know, uh hook route in the end zone. Yeah. I saw him overthrow Kalen Balage on a, a four-yard out. I saw him, you know, just everything you could see and like yeah. that's just that that's just the Lions game I see him <laughs> the thing I go to when people ask me about Mason Rudolph is he struggles just throwing it to the flat with any kind of velocity yeah. um now he, he some things have looked a little bit better as time has gone along but there's just so many things from a pocket presence standpoint uh a uh like processing standpoint of where everybody is on the field and anticipating yep. throws, the velocity on his throws. Now he has some good deep shots, but that's, you know, we've seen some from Joe Burrow. That's more about timing than an yep. arm. So if he knows I'm going to 
take a three-step drop back and heave this ball down the left sideline, sure, he can make yeah. that look good. And that's more to be said than maybe Ben right now, who, you know, can still do that to a 20, 30-yard range, but not a 40, 50-plus yard range. Right. Um, but in terms of, like, good velocity and anticipation on throws, it's not Mason Rudolph. And I've seen a lot of Mason Rudolph and a lot more than I want to see. And <laughs> I am coming before everybody today saying – for the franchise, when you take all these other things we've been saying into account, that might be the best bet for the franchise. Now, the Steelers' way is we're competing for Super Bowls every year. Right. That's what they. That's what Kevin Colbert. That's what Art Rooney II. That's what Mike Tomlin all say in preseason press conferences. So, if you really take that to heart, then there's no way you can see Mason Rudolph be the Week One starter. Um, without like, yeah, a a first or second round rookie that, that comes in is, uh, Hey, we're going to give Mason four games and then let this guy roll. But again, opportunity costs. If you do, if you take that approach and you have that rookie waiting in the wings, then you don't have a Tyler Linderbaum. You don't, you, you have Kendrick green starting at center again. Yeah. Yep. That ain't it, man. (laughs) You know, you, you have Joe Schobert and Devin Bush playing middle linebacker again. Yep. That's not going to – so no matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph, Haskins, Mariota, mm-hmm. if you go that bridge quarterback route this year but also draft, then opportunity costs of what you're missing. And then at that point it's, all right, you know, the the rookie quarterback had an average rookie quarterback year. Say it's a Mac Jones year. We saw right. what happened in Mac Jones this year, right? The, the defense mm-hmm. tired out. Um, they, the running backs were getting hurt too often. Their wide receivers weren't good enough. Um, and they fizzled out now. They still made the playoffs like you're saying. And, you know, that's what the Steelers did this year, but now you've attached yourself to that rookie quarterback. You still have to go get a middle linebacker and it's just a snowball effect from there. So that's my Mason Rudolph soapbox. Um, it pains me to say that I think, (laughs) I actually do. It, it's not going to win them more games. And this is right. also isn't a like Steelers should go tank and get, you know, Bryce Young first overall in 2023. Right. We saw a team with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges win, win eight games a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. And that's because they still had a good offensive line. They yeah. had a good run game. They had an elite defense. You can build <clears throat> those things back up pretty quickly with the way this team is now. If you don't drop $10 million on Mariota or first round draft pick of sure. rookie quarterback. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think, um, yeah, I, it may, it makes sense. I don't, I don't think you're endorsing Mason Rudolph for, for the next 10 years or anything. Um, but I, it, it does, I think what you're saying makes sense for the franchise. If you get, if you get a year with Rudolph, but that bolsters your offensive line adds to your defense and you maybe win some games, you know, 10 to seven, you know, 20 to 13, like just, games like that they can still be competitive they can still maybe sneak in the playoffs and then you're set up for when you do see that next that next guy that you're going to draft that's going to be your quarterback or you know if if that also helps the cap at some point um and then you can go for a different type of free agent but yeah i I think that makes sense it's it is tough to swallow though to go from (laughs) to go from and, and Steelers fans aren't used to having to do that they've had the same quarterback i was thinking about that he's he started what was it oh four Oh four was his first year, right? Yeah, I was still in high school in 04. And that's mind-boggling to me to think that. Like he's he's been the starter that long. Like the durability for one is impressive. Um, 
and then obviously the, the winning season is impressive. So yeah, maybe maybe Steelers fans just have to deal with one year of Rudolph and that. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's tough. And here and here's the thing: like the other evidence of this is clearly the team likes Rudolph. I mean, they've been touting him for years. They've been yeah. saying since he was drafted, oh, we had a first round grade on him, and we got him in the third round. They took him a year after they took Joshua Dobbs in the fourth round, who a lot of Steeler fans, me included, actually like more than Mason, uh, which is saying something. But, you know, so they clearly had an investment and had some plans for him. And I don't think they were planning on Ben sticking around as long as he did. I do think there was a world to them where Mason has now, as of, you know, January 26, 2022, he's been the starter for maybe two seasons. I think they envisioned something like that. Last offseason, they gave him the one-year extension, which can mean a lot of things. It can just mean we definitely, you know, want to keep you as at least a backup for whoever is the starter. We want to give you a chance to compete as a bridge guy, or we think you're the guy. Um, But either one of those, any one of those things mean they like them because they could have just said, you know what, clean break. You and Ben go out at the same time. We'll find a new quarterback elsewhere. Well, um, and I, I saw, I was watching, I think it was pro football talk. They were talking about like, there's probably a reason still why Dwayne Haskins didn't even usurp Rudolph as the number two. Like Haskins has been the number three mm-hmm. all season. If he can't even be the one to come in and win that Detroit game for them, for example, you know, that says something about either how much they like Rudolph or how, you know, even if we think Rudolph is going to be scary, <laughs> we don't want to see Haskins season, you know? <laughs> And I mean, kind of like, you know, what you said about Haskins earlier, and it's similar to the Winston thing. Like, I would almost rather throw Haskins out there and be like, hey, he's going to chuck the ball all over the place. He might throw more interceptions than touchdowns. But you know what? I like, feel like he's going to make a play or give them sure, a chance sure. to win. Um, but, yeah, that's a, that's a great point about Mason. Like, clearly, all the evidence is there. They really like him. Now, that doesn't mean they, they won't draft someone. That doesn't mean they don't like a Mariota more. But in terms of just talking about where this team goes from here, do and knowing that their number one goal every single year is we want to win the Super Bowl this year, does doing any of that other stuff at quarterback put you any more above, you know, your chances that you have at winning it with Rudolph based on what else you could do? Yeah. Um, man, that's always I so think exhausting. It- Right, right. And I think like, and I, I was looking through, I've looked through a couple of your mock drafts as well. And I know they have, um, you have a couple of alignment on there. Linder, Linderbaum, you mentioned already. Um, and it, it, I mean, if they, if they end up saying we're going to go with Rudolph, um, they may as well just draft O-linemen and, you know, the first five rounds, like just, so they hit on two or three of them or one or two of them even um, because, because those are the O-linemen typically on, I, I can't say, I don't know that for sure. I was going to say they're typically more sure things. If you, if you know, if they have the tool set or the skill set, and if they're projected as a top five pick, you really can't miss. I don't think too badly, but um, at O-line, but yeah, why not just throw all your draft picks into O-line equity and see if, and see if enough of them hit to blend with like whoever sticks around from last year. And then at least with, at least they'd have protection for the year. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that's the best route to go for and and again you invest uh the Steelers invest a first round pick on a running back right so it's yeah. like clearly they want to win with the run game yeah except they don't have any good run blocking offensive linemen 
um, <laughs> which is which is tough. Now I will say yeah. I, I'm I'm bashing the whole line. I liked what I saw from the rookie Dan Moore at left tackle. I think he's never gonna be a, a premier pass blocking left tackle, which is what you want, right. right? You want that like 15 year all pro left tackle who's like the best pass blocker, never gives up a sack. That's not yep. gonna be him. But the guy is athletic, the guy is physical, the guy is nasty. He's a good run blocking left tackle already. I really liked when they the dreaded wide receiver screen um that that the Steelers have run since Todd Haley came to town. Yep. Um they ran it a couple times early in the season, but with the linemen running out instead of asking five foot nine Ray Ray McLeod to block, which he tried <laughs> his best. So don't get me wrong. I right. love Ray Ray. Yeah. He tried everything he could. He's not blocking a linebacker on a Deontay Johnson screen. Um, yeah. <laughs> when they asked Dan Moore to run out there, and I think it was probably it was early in the year. So it was probably when Dotson was healthy too before he got hurt and they had all these other guys play guard. They had those guys run out and like all the way out to the numbers and do wide receiver screens. And I was like, that actually worked. That was awesome. Yeah. The guy can get on move. So if Dotson's healthy, I like those two, but yeah, I mean, sure. those whew, center, center to right <laughs> tackle. is. Right. And I mean, I look at a guy like Spencer Brown for the bills third round pick. I think not the, not the best tackle ever, but the guy's big. He's, you know, fun, not maybe not as fundamentally sound as you want, but he's nasty. He's tough. He's, you know, gets out there on, on for run, run blocking and everything. That's, that's what you need. And then you build up yeah. the technique from there. And yeah, the more they learn together yeah. and learn about each other, they're going to learn that, that footing next to each other. Oh, how, how this guy moves based on this kind of rush or, um, okay. We have, we have maybe more the speedy guy on this one. So he's going to be a little late, something like that, where, yeah, just, just bring in the, Talented guys. I don't know if I need the first five picks to be linemen, but man, yeah, two out of three, well, three, three out of four. I need, I need, yeah. I need them. <laughs> well, it, make, it makes sense for, like you said, investing a first round pick in Najee Harris, who um, I, I think we haven't even seen a percentage of what he could be capable of if he gets, if he doesn't get hit a yard behind this line of scrimmage every time, um, because he's a three down back. He doesn't, go, he doesn't take plays off. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can run between the tackles. He's got speed and he didn't fumble at all. Like he played like a veteran last year as a rookie. And so I think he's what, 23 years old. Like he could, he should be there till he's at least 28 being the workhorse back. And if you give him some more holes, um, I think that can overcome a lot of deficiencies. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think that that makes a lot of sense to try to, to try to draft a little bit to fortify, even for his sake alone. Um, yeah, he you, won't be there till he's 28 with this offensive line. That's for, that's, for <laughs> that's, sure. that's, that's true. That's true. Um, I was going to ask you about, now that I'm remembering this, as you mentioned his name, Ray Ray McLeod, as a, he's a free agent this year as well. And I don't know if because of Deontay and Claypool, if he's he probably won't be anything more than a slot guy. Um, but I typically like re-signing guys like that. Um, he you know, he doesn't knock on wood. He doesn't muff punts that often. And he, and he, he, he shows flashes to be that change of pace guy. And I think um, he could be really effective because of the other two guys out there. And so I don't know, I'm trying to look up right now what his price would be to resign, but I'd be curious to see what, what do you think about like a Ray Ray McLeod? Is he a priority? Is he important? Or is he just, we can replace, is he replaceable? I guess would be the question. Ray Ray McLeod has enough value as a return man to bring back to the team. Okay. Um, 
he's the first I got this stat from Alex Gazzaro from Steelers Depot. He's the first Steelers player to return, be the full-time kick returner two years in a row since like Rod Woodson or something crazy. Yeah. Some, someone from like the 90s <laughs> is just like insane. So nice. the, the fact that, yeah, he's done that and he's done that well. I think he had like, he had that one, I forget which week it was this year. But there was that really that play that uh, on a kickoff return where he called a fair catch and then he touched it and then it was a weird kickoff rule and everyone like got mad at him and everything. And, uh, you know, he but point is, he really has those kind of moments as a return right. man. I know before he got to Pittsburgh, I think he had some issues with it, but he's done really well in Pittsburgh. Yeah. He has value as a return man alone as a wide receiver. I love his effort. I love his toughness, um, but my God, the way they this offense, the way it was built these last couple of years, uses their slot receiver is not for him at all. Okay, and it's funny because when Juju was in the slot, you know, and that and that's what happened this year. So everyone all year was wondering why is Ray Ray getting so many targets? Why is Ray Ray on the field so much? Right. Because the way the Steelers ran their offense was okay. Juju's our starting slot receiver, and Ray Ray's our backup slot receiver. Juju gets hurt. Yep. Okay. Ray Ray's the starting slot receiver. And we run a lot of our offense through the slot receiver. Now yeah. they did more downfield with the slot receiver this year than they had the last two years. Juju's, you know, average depth of target is like went really five well. now. <laughs> yeah. He's basically a, a fullback out there. Um, <laughs> he's really good at it. But some of those downfield shots that they were given to Ray Ray, it was like, he stands no chance at this. He's five nine. He doesn't jump yeah. that high. He's not a natural receiver, but they didn't do it with Juju. So that's why I want Juju back next year, see if they do that yeah. more. Yeah. But if Ray Ray's your, you know, fifth receiver on the depth chart, and yeah, he comes in on like screens and, um, you know, end arounds, stuff like that. They did a little bit with that last yeah. year with him. I like that. And yeah, I mean, if you can get him for less than three minutes, you know, million, you know, do the yeah. bet minimum or, you know, even sure. two or something like that and, He's your return guy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great value. Okay, cool. I think his biggest hurdle for that is I've also mocked the Steelers to get like a speedy wide receiver. That's really mm -hmm. what they need also. And, and you know, that's yep. even with Ray Ray and Juju, let's assume both those guys are back. Steelers right. need like a 4-3, four, 4-4 four, four guy to just like run in a straight line and stretch the field. <laughs> yep. Those guys are usually pretty good kick returners too. So that's where his competition yep. would come from. But I think you at sure. least bring him back for – get them in training camp, see if you have anybody else that you think is better value as a returner um, and go from there. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. But man, that is a tough dude. I mean, he took all those hits over the middle. Yeah. He did his best. He did his best blocking. He yeah. wasn't very good at it, but he, he well, tried and, every time. And in the, in the myriad of Steelers comebacks that they attempted to make this year that I watched, um, you know, Deontay and, and Claypool and Frymers are getting all the attention. And I saw him make some pretty like tough catches on the sideline, mm -hmm. like, you know, a seven yard catch here, 12 yard catch here that, that are really important. They just you expect players to make that because they're in the NFL. And so that's why, yeah. So it's, it, it makes sense to hear you say like as a returner, but, but yeah, probably could get a better value with a little bit more size there to get, <laughs> he's getting destroyed over the middle all the time. So, and especially if, cause Juju's, Juju's what is only 25, right? He's, he's still got a ton of years left. So they should, yeah. Is that is that reported pretty? Is it pretty common knowledge that he's probably getting resigned, or is it still up in the air? 
I think it's completely up in the air. I mean, okay. he's been very public. He would like to come back to Pittsburgh. And yeah. I don't think that's just fan service. I think he would, like he would, if the situation and the money and the, the play style and all of that was right, his preference would be to stay in Pittsburgh. He's become very sure. like, big in the community. Um, he, he loves being a Steeler. I think he embodies a lot of the, the Steelers traits that people forget about because they see him mm-hmm. on TikTok and stuff and they think like he's <laughs> like a prima donna, but then he goes out yeah. there and he like blasts a linebacker on a block or oh. something. You're like, so the, the, oh, the, this guy's like the, actually tough. The Fontes perfect hit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that I, every, every time someone says something about his TikTok, I just like post that and I'm just like, oh, okay, like let's just not forget about this. Yeah. Um, so yes, I mean, I now the, the the news today and yesterday has circulating has been oh he says he'd love to play for the Chiefs and it's like heck yeah I'd love to play for the Chiefs who wouldn't love to play for the Chiefs <laughs> right and right. they had interest in him last year they actually offered him more money uh, than the Steelers and he wanted to come back to play with Ben for another year um, so I mean yeah right now he's uh, his contract is a he has voidable years on his contract so it's set to void after the Super Bowl. Um, I wouldn't be surprised by anything that happened at this point. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, still, still a lot up in the air for sure. I mean, he was really young when he came in. I mean, he was yeah. the young. I think he was the youngest rookie in his draft class. And then, yeah, yeah I mean, it's only been you know this was technically his fifth season. So yeah, and the only guy. the only thing I've ever been annoyed with him is I think it was it was must have been last year on my fantasy team the average depth of target. Yeah, I feel like he'd get like. 10 catches a game, but they'd all be like three yards down the field. I was like, can you break one, please? Because for some reason, they don't run you down fast 10 yards. I don't understand. <laughs> yep. I don't know, man. I don't know. It, 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 got, it got real rough. Because, yeah, he, I mean, when you playing opposite of AB, he was, yeah, he was downfield. Um, yeah. He was doing all sorts of things. And then just as he got older and he became the number one guy, Ben just wanted him close to the line of scrimmage, which, you know, makes sense because, Ben's not throwing. I mean, now he is yeah. throwing deep, but he's throwing deep on fly routes and, you know, up there and cover one, let me throw to the sideline yeah. or, you know, stuff like that. Not, which isn't more of Juju's skill set. Right. Um, since sense. we're getting into the weeds now, I mean, <laughs> let me ask you some, some real in the weeds questions. So when it comes to like, and, and this might actually just like roll into your, your talk about the depth on defense, but like late round draft picks, you know, is something that, really gets ignored you know people stop watching day three of the draft because it's so long and you know all the picks come in so quick but it really is a a big benefit to to a team if you do it right I mean the Steelers this year were definitely targeting finding that number three outside linebacker in the draft Um, they took Quincy Roche who in the sixth round really good value um a lot of people thought he was going to be like a mid, you know, a day or not day, a round three, round four pick. Um, they end up getting Melvin Ingram. So, you know, he's less of that role. And then as a number three, like 10 to 15 snap edge rusher. So then it becomes, oh, now he's going to be a core special teamer. In college, he played on the defensive line. He wasn't a true outside linebacker. So then not as familiar with special teams. They wave him, want to get him back on the practice squad. He ends up on the Giants, had a good year. That's where, you know, so that's where an example of like why these six, seventh round picks are important. So what's something that's kind of sneaky that you could maybe see them doing 
when it comes to like late in the draft day three. Right now they're slated to have a six round pick and two seventh round picks. Um, so there can clearly be some some value that comes from that. Yeah, um, yeah, I think I think depth on defense would be my would be my biggest suggestion. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I don't have all of the college guys' names right off the right off the top of my head or anything like that. Um, but based on what I can see, you can never have too much depth at corner, and you can never have too much depth on on the line. Um, and then. The other interesting factor is the linebacker situation in Pittsburgh this year, which was because um, it, it was funny for me as more of an outsider perspective. I had heard of names like Devin Bush and I had recognized, uh, was it Robert Spillane or Spill mm-hmm. Spillin, um, mm-hmm. and Alex High and Alex Highsmith and some of those. And I, you know, I hadn't seen them much before this year. And so my initial thought was like, because, you know, people outside of Pittsburgh, we think Pittsburgh, we think great defense, you know, and then you see TJ Watts, you think of Fitzpatrick. And so my inkling going in, I was like, well, these linebackers must be really solid linebacker core because even going back to like, um, oh, I'm trying to blank it on his name. Oh, like, like, J- oh, like James Harrison, obviously, and like uh, was it Larry Foote a while back, like, like some of these named guys I can name drop, not because I knew a lot about the Steelers, just because I recognize them as big defensive presences. So that was one of the more interesting things to hear or to see online, all the, the issues people had with players like Devin Bush that I didn't notice until fans were pointing them out. And then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, there are some mistakes happening. You know, I'm not an elite X's and O's defensive mind or anything, but um, you can definitely see when a guy misses an assignment or isn't in the right spot or is a few steps behind where the play needs to be. And so that was really interesting to me. Um, and I know that, I don't know, you said the Steelers have the 20th pick. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think in the, in the maybe it's probably more in the middle rounds, but I know at least in the fifth round, there's a lot of linebacker prospects when I've been kind of running some mock drafts for the Bears that I don't know, I don't have a specific name for you, but I think what I would do is like, you can't go wrong with depth at corner or line, but maybe if they're able to sign Joe Hayden, if they stick with Witherspoon, if they stick with Edmonds, I think maybe it go, maybe they go linebacker and maybe they go, you know, I always am a big fan of the guys that maybe aren't like as flashy athletically, but have the it factor or the competitive factor, or they make up for it by, reading a play really well and they're going to be in the right spot before other people because they process faster. So it doesn't matter that they run a four or five because, you know, they just know how to work around the field and do that sort of thing. So I think my gut tells me as I'm talking about it, maybe go a linebacker to try to rectify some of those, those issues that we saw this year with the linebacking core that to me was, was news to me as a, as kind of a newer follower of the Steelers, um, just because I, I, like I said, I just assume that Steelers are good linebackers because we always have good linebackers in Pittsburgh. And so it's like, why are these fans so mad at Devin Bush? And then I watched more of him specifically on, in games. I was like, oh, so just because you're wearing a Steelers helmet doesn't make you a good linebacker. That's interesting. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I mean, again, so like things you expect they're having walking in, Vince Williams has been the starting linebacker for this team for the last couple of years um never never a captain never a pro bowler and but very much like you said he was a six-round pick very average athlete um had good size but not great size Mm -hmm. but that guy just lived behind the line of scrimmage I mean last year was probably his best season as a pro and his you know 
immediately preceding his retirement, which is funnily enough, but he lived behind the line of scrimmage. And that was yeah, physicality. That was being able to read the play. And that was, I'm going to get back there no matter what happens. Yeah. The problem with the linebackers this year is they don't, they don't have that guy. Robert Spillane was supposed to be that guy. Um, he got a lot of his fame when he made that hit on Derrick Henry last year at the goal line. He yeah. came from like eight yards back. He was like with the safeties and he just screamed into a hole and just like smacked into him and then stopped him <laughs> at the goal line. It was sweet. And like, yeah, yeah, that's great. He is such a liability in the pass game. I mean, he yeah. got cooked by Austin Hooper in week 16, which, um, you know, I know it's a tight end. So like in theory, they're supposed to, and Austin Hooper is a good player. Um, Austin Hooper should not have juked him the way he juked him. And uh, the, I mean, you know, Spillane's a great special teamer. He is a good run defender if they are going to hand the ball off, but he's just such a liability where in the past game where if he's out there, you're giving up a 10 yard catch. So yeah. Bush and Schober were this year's starters, both solid. I mean, Bush definitely underperformed and had his issues, but he was never built to be this. I'm going to get behind the line of scrimmage and make a bunch of plays. And yeah. that's definitely not Schobert either. So those issues just like compounded each other to where then it's a snowball effect. They can't get by yeah. the line of scrimmage. The other team can kind of do whatever they want. They get out of position. They miss an assignment. Now the thing they're supposed to be good at, getting out to the flat or pass coverage, now they're messing that up too. And, you know, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you can find those linebackers anywhere. And mm -hmm. at worst case, you end up with – a core special teamer who you can right. use for four years if they never make it to the defense. Right. Um, and I think, and I think with, especially with the Steelers, with the star power they have on defense, like, um, you know, they don't, they don't need that elite athlete at, at line. Well, I mean, they're all elite athletes, but they don't need the, another TJ Watt because you just mm -hmm. need the guys that are going to make it. So TJ Watt can continue to be TJ Watt, like just break his own sack record next year. Like you just need the rest of them to be solid. Um, and yeah, I, th I think you definitely could find that late in the late in the draft for sure. Okay. Well, that's everything I have. What do you what do you have? What are your final thoughts? I mean, at some point, I might have to pick your brain on everything that's happening with the Bears and and all of that. Yeah. But in terms of the Steelers, before you know, the end of the the football season comes to, and you know, as things kind of start shaping up for the off season, what do you what are your final thoughts on what you're looking for? Um, well, kind of how I started getting into Steelers this year is the Najee Harris factor. Um, I think I mentioned to you before we started recording that I, I had to trade him in fantasy because um, someone offered me, it was too good of an offer. I couldn't refuse. And, uh, but I, that's my thing going into next season for the Steelers. I want to see more Najee. I want to see him get more or average more yards per carry. Cause I want to see, you know, you know, he was a rookie, so maybe there's some on him. Um, and, you know, I, it's probably not my job to just, destroy the offensive line because I'm sure that there's more that I'm more to it than I'm missing or that I'm missing. So um looking forward to next year. I want to see Najee Harris more. Um and I want to see uh, I'm just anxious to see what they do at quarterback. It's just it's interesting when these teams that don't have to deal with this as much as other teams have to sift through it because it is so weird. It's it's such a different thing knowing who your quarterback is going into the year when you're only looking at the other positions. And so um, that's what I'm looking into for next year um, and kind of looking forward to. Um, I'm definitely going to be reading the mock so I can see who <laughs> who, we, who we think they're going to draft. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm a big Najee fan for sure. I, I don't think that'll, that'll change. Even his like post-game interviews and stuff, like he's just, 
he's just a guy that you want to get behind. So I would like mm-hmm. to see him really blossom next year and compete for the, you know, rushing yards. Cause he's on the field, you know, more than, more than a lot of running backs these days, like outside of, you know, Jonathan Taylor and maybe Derek Henry when he's healthy, like it's the running back by committee in most places. So I want to see, I want to see what, what he can do. Um, find a hopefully improved offensive line. Um, yeah. And kind of go from there. So. Yeah. Uh, you and me both brother, you and me both. Well, <laughs> that is all for us today. Um, definitely check out Josh referenced it a couple of times. Check out our mocks on championship sportsmedia.com. I'm covering those for the Steelers. Josh has those for the bears. Um, we'll have those coming to you uh, at least every, you know, few weeks, every month, something like that um, between now and the draft, but check out um, Josh's work. He's, he's working on stuff for the bears, but also stuff for fantasy football. So make sure you're up to date on that. Come check me out on there for more of your Steelers uh, news and updates for sure. And Josh, we'll do this again soon, man. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on Simon. I learned a lot and it was really fun to be here. So.